0: Welcome back to the Jake Iswell Podcast. This week on the School of Unlearning, we're starting a new series called Sabbath Rebel. This week, we're talking about what it looks like to truly rest in God, and not just rest for the sake of rest, where we just veg out, maybe watch shows, maybe get lost a little bit in entertainment, but what does it look like to have a kind of rest that is truly focused on Him and on that relationship? So, here I am with Mr. Paul. Let's get started. Good morning. Ah, oh, you, sure. How are you? Good, ah, oh, Paul. I'm doing swell, sir.
1: Woo! It's been a
0: it's been a hot minute. It's been
1: a hot minute, and there's been so much weather. There has been so many. We need to recap. It was well. Let's forty go back. days or whatever. Let's go back. All right, yeah, we're yeah. back at June 14th.
0: <laughs> it was a sweltering day. A sweltering day. Yes.
1: How, how's your summer?
0: Uh, good. Yeah? Yeah. Kind of crazy. It's been a busy summer. A lot of yes. preparing for big stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know if how many people listening know this, but I'm going to be a dad. Woo! And that's coming very soon. We didn't really talk about it super publicly, but end of September... We I got go. a baby, so my summer has looked different this yes. year. It's been a lot of prepping. <laughs> yes.
1: Have you got the nursery all built and shelves put built. up and yeah. built? Yeah, I, I started from
0: scratch. Yes. And no, yeah, a lot of lot of stuff. We're getting close. Yes. We're getting close. Good. That, yeah.
1: That's important for Annie because he's going to want everything ready. There's a lot of nesting happening. Well, you know? I didn't want to use that word, but... Oh, is
0: it like a controversial word? I
1: don't know. I don't know what words I can say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well i think we're safe i say things like my children go <gasps> i didn't what now what did i do Dad, you're so old you're so old i think
0: nest is safe so far is it good i think
1: yeah well i think it's a thing i think yeah. it's just a thing of this major trauma excitement joy <laughs> is going to come in my life it's all those things by the way yeah yeah and then i just want a safe place where i can feel like we're ready yeah and and the, there is a thing with having children having been this five times you start feeling really out of control because you actually are. Um, this is something you can control, which feels great.
0: Yeah. So, Yay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that was my summer. How has yours been? Um, um, let me think for a minute. Well, I had a wedding. My oldest daughter got married. That yeah. was magical and wonderful and perfect. Just a small little ceremony. Um which was great there's like 30 people there and we we're in a barn because everyone gets married in barns now jesus was born in a barn we have weddings mm, in barns yeah uh, it was beautiful it was abby if you're listening yes it was nice nice work yes it was just <laughs> all around uh perfect i would have thought that daughter my daughter abby would have wanted a gigantic and she just didn't she wanted something small and it was it was fun because you could just totally be present with people so you mm. weren't greeting four thousand people and um, we had, we had showers and stuff before that where people could come and, you know, do their thing, but it was just great. And that was good. And graciously, wonderfully, uh, the overseer board gave me, uh, pretty much the whole month of the July off, which mm-hmm. was good. And it was, uh, it was, it was needed. It had been a long stretch. Um, I was going to do a sabbatical before the pandemic yeah and then we had a worldwide pandemic which pushed all that away and then and then we decided to preach through revelation yes which meant you did
0: almost all of them yes
1: yes i have no <laughs> one to blame for myself no one to blame but myself for that um and it was it just been a long stretch it, and i have and the last couple of years have been just really demanding across the board for all of us mm-hmm. um so that was good it really was just a couple of weeks to decompress and then uh um did a lot of projects around the house and got a lot of fish and uh, wasted a lot of time. Gloriously, wonderfully. It was just a wonderful season of rest and recentering and um, kind, of, you do kind seem, of perfect. You do seem like kind yeah. of Zen now. I am. Which I am. is really nice. I mean, because there's a yes, lot going on. There we're, is. We're cranking oh, into fall and yes. there's a
0: lot of stuff on our minds. Yes. But you seem very like at peace with it. I
1: think I, I think, uh, it, I think mostly? it, <laughs> mostly, I think it's part of it's the fruit of Sabbath. Um, mm-hmm. um, when you get a rhythm of, of rest and, um, rhythm in your life, it does, you know, uh, the sermon for this week, it allows you to sleep through storms. It allows you to take a nap with Jesus when the storm mm-hmm. is blowing. Um, and, and, um, and I don't always execute on that. And I, you know, talk to me in a couple months when we're in the thick of things again, and, <laughs> uh, maybe I won't be, but it, there really is kind of, um, you you work better, you work more efficiently, but you're also, you know, enjoy the journey a bit. So, yeah, I'm just coming off a good recentering time. So it's good. And in time to come back and give a message series about Sabbath, which, mm-hmm. of course, I wrote right before I went on um, on um being gone, right before I went on break. Uh It was funny because the overseers were like, you really need that taste. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got to quick rate this message on resting, and then I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll go rest. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go rest. Did you um, find yourself... um Cause you wrote it before
0: yep, and things were a little crazy yep. and then you got a break. Right. When you went back and looked at your notes, did you find yourself wanting to revise it all? Because maybe you'd actually gotten to
1: live there for a bit. Not a ton because I, I, I really do actually have um, Sabbath established in my life. I, I, I think for, um, uh, about eight years ago, it's more closer, probably maybe closer to nine or 10 now, just, you know, hit a big wall and a big part of what I learned out of that season of, um, for stress, which we call breakdown, um, Mm -hmm. because your body's going to rest. It's good. One thing I don't want to talk about today is it's either going to rest by you getting physically sick, you're getting emotionally sick. Um, you vegging out on things that aren't healthy. Um, um, you know, it's going to rest or, or, or you're just going to kind of start filling your life with little things that you don't need to, um, just to get through. So, um, there's a kind of rest you can do that is not restful. Mm. Um, and eventually, you know, you break down. So, so learning to be intentional about what is really, truly life-giving and refreshing and renewing, um, not just taking time off, um, because time off can actually be exhausting. Time off can actually be not refreshing. Many people come back from vacations very tired. And um there's a way to do it where you invite God into it. That um that you that really is powerful and wonderful. But coming back and this is crazy, you know, of course I gave a message on Sabbath last week and this is an incredibly busy week. This is a crazy busy <laughs> week. So got a wedding at the end of the week and um special baptism Wednesday night. It just, yeah. it just annual meetings, annual a whole I an mean, I had a board meeting last night yeah. till nine thirty. So, I mean, we had a, cause we hadn't met uh, in a while. We had a lot of things to go over. Mm-hmm. So there, this is the kind of thing where, okay. Yeah. yeah uh, I hear you. I was uh, here be here
0: late three nights this week just <laughs> yes. to, you know, get through all of it. Yes. Rehearsals and
1: you know, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. So it is a constant battle. You've got to be a rebel to make Sabbath a reality in your life. Um, And I, I, I am actually at the point now that um, I, I just can't live without it. I can't, I can't push the way I used to, partly because of awareness. I just recognize, oh, I'm getting to a bad place or I'm getting to a place where I'm doing my job without gratitude. I'm doing my job without joy. I'm, I'm working with people and I'm treating them like cogs in a machine rather than truly interacting with them and seeing them as people. And um, there's no breath in my life to really, appreciate the meaning of what I'm doing. Hmm. So I I just recognize those kinds of things and, um, what it looks like to slow down and catch our breath and, um, and then just understand why we fill our lives with such busyness, you know? So no, it's, it's, it's a very good thing. So, um, let's talk about this thing of Sabbath a little bit. So, um, it, 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 you know, it it seems like every time and any time I teach on this thing of rest, um, uh it just taps in a felt need with people. I have so many people come and say, Boy, I needed to hear that, I need to recenter myself. Um, because we live in a world that's just addicted to busy. Mm-hmm. Um b- addicted to doing. Um one of the big themes we talked about last year as a staff and we'll be talking a lot out of, of emotionally healthy discipleship is this issue of balancing doing and being, you know, and some people um um you know are all doing, 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 don't have any being. Some other people, you know, um actually <laughs> you can get so into, you know, being that you don't effectively do. And and to really understand the symbiotic relationship. And that when you really get the rhythm of that right, your doing becomes so much more efficient. It becomes so much more effective. It becomes so much more focused. Um, it becomes so much more meaningful, so much more rewarding. Um, to get this symbiotic relationship of doing and beating. And the, 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 the biblical teaching on that comes back to this thing of Sabbath, comes back to this thing of understanding that when we become followers of God, God's first invitation to us is to rest, is to rest. So it, it goes all the way back to the story we looked at in, in um, um, Exodus in the Old Testament. You have the children of Israel, the people of God, who are enslaved. And you know, that, that's such a powerful image that someone else is making you work, is driving you, taking the fruit and the value of your work and not allowing you to rest. It becomes, it makes people a complete commodity that your value to me is that you work, you produce. Um, and, and, you know, it's the ultimate expression of produce and perform, you know? Um, and, um, they're taskmasters masters and there's a pharaoh that's driving you in this. And so this picture of slavery for four hundred years. And you and you take on an identity in that respect. You know, ironically, there you know, you, you just know within the historical context of that, there were gonna be people who were slaves who thought of themselves as slaves. They thought this was the way it was gonna be. They have been slaves, their parents have been slaves, their parents' parents were slaves, and um um and And they just they thought of themselves they might have even taken some backwards weird pride kind of in that 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 I'm the hardest worker. Mm-hmm. and of course, here comes Moses. and if you actually look at the 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 message that God gave Moses to give Pharaoh, it wasn't that like set my people free. And ultimately, that was the end game, and that's what he was going to call them to. And that's ultimately what Pharaoh did. but the initial command was, let my people go into the wilderness to have a festival. So think about what that would have meant to people who were slaves, who were never given opportunities to have freedom in festivals and delight and rest. Um, it was an invitation to come out and worship and to experience God that before they did anything for God, he wanted them to be blessed. He wanted them to delight. He wanted them to rest in God and um, radically different than any other thing that that the the hebrews would have experienced under egyptian rule so obviously the pharaohs doesn't want you to rest the gods of egypt were typical ancient gods that okay you do stuff for them they might be nice to you totally up to them totally random Mm -hmm. um that you want to appease the god you want to work you want to do something for these gods and then they might throw you a bone they might you know you know basically the gods of the ancient world but just Bigger versions of us, mm-hmm. you know, with all the quirks and the selfishnesses and all those kinds of things like that. Well, here comes this God that says, "Your value to me is not what you do for me. M- your value for me is not utilitarian. I don't need anything from you um, to make me better or to make you better. What I'm interested in is a relationship. What I'm interested in you being my people. I want to show you how to live free." And I mean, that that is such a radical thing that became reflected in Jewish culture um, through the law and even up to this day where in Jewish mindset, the day begins at sundown. Hmm. So they they obviously lived closer to the equator. So you had more of an even split between night and day. So this is harder for us to think about being in a northern climate where our days and can be super long or nights can be super long, depending on the time of year. But their concept was when the sun goes down, the day begins. And so you, you begin your perspective by saying, um, I begin by sitting down with family and eating and being and then sleeping. I rest first and then from the rest, I wake up to do. Now, these are people who worked very hard. I mean, they worked six days a week. They got a lot done. In fact, one of the things that's actually stunning about the history of the Jewish people is that it really seems to be the case that wherever they land, they do really well. They do really well as a marginalized people, usually mm-hmm. a profound minority, very often amidst horrible persecution. and But they they just they prosper wherever they go. And um, obviously, there's a lot of anti-Semitic stuff about that. Um, But the truth is it has to do with the fact that they have these incredibly strong family units. Um, They have incredible strong work ethic, but they also build in rhythm pattern. They, they building in a pattern of Sabbath creates kind of an even keeled kind of you just, you just, you just go through life, you figure it out. And so um, this thing of Sabbath doesn't make you inefficient, ineffective. It actually um, brings a balance into your life where where you you do work better. I mean, I, I you can even see it in your own life. I mean, when you've been going too long, too hard, you start making bad decisions about what you should do, right? Mm-hmm. So you got a, a to-do list and you're exhausted. And you have 10 things on the to-do list. Three of them really need to get done. They're the priority. They're mission critical. They'll make everything better, but they're hard and they're sticky. And I'm going to have to think about it. I'm going to have to plan it and I'm going to have to work on it. But I had seven other things that I could really roll through, yeah. and so I start clicking those things off because it feels really good to click things off, and I feel good because I'm productive. But my productivity is not smart. It's not thoughtful. It's not aware. And so rather than doing the things that I should do, I do other things, and it's not like they're bad things. Even, you know, e- even the thing of okay, I'm, I'm just exhausted to so go home. I'm gonna watch one episode of something on Netflix, and I end up watching five, and that's that's your bodies and psyche and minds way of insisting you, you're going to rest. I mean, your, your, your body's eventually at some point you and it's not just your body. This, this last time off I had in July, I was very tired going into it, but I wasn't physically tired. Um, I was mentally, I wasn't even emotionally tired. I was mentally tired. Mm. We had just had to think through so <laughs> many thorny, crazy problems. We had so much thought and ideation around the revelation series and just the the thinking, Reading so many books, so many podcasts, you know, just devouring information. Two years of reshifting paradigms and rethinking through things that you're just constantly ideating. You're constantly thinking. You're constantly trying to find a better way to serve the church and shepherd the people of God. You, you reach a point where your brain just gets kind of like uh, I, I'm having trouble putting coherent thoughts together. Yeah, and then when your brain's tired, then then you you start adopting either easy solutions or tired solutions or solutions that, um, um, someone else used, you'd start taking other people's solutions, You just don't think well, you don't think deeply. So that was probably one of the things for me that, um, was good about this time off. But my point is, is that, that when we don't incorporate Sabbath in our life, um, you, your body, your body kind of, um, yeah, it says enough at yes. a certain point, and you and you know this is where addiction comes from too. This is why the, the person who comes home and has you know a highball every night, um, just to get to sleep, because their brain isn't slowing down, and they drag themselves to the bed and do it again. This is the person who. Um, um, because they're not getting good refreshment, good relational connection runs to pornography because it's just so satisfyingly immediate mm-hmm. and it it's 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 like a drug. I mean, um overeating, whatever it is. So so um your body has limits, your mind has limits, your emotion has limits, your relationality has limits. You can be relationally tired. I get relationally tired. I'm an I'm an extrovert, but I'm a soft extrovert, so I, I'm not a big extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um but I get peopled out. I mean, I get uh, Sunday honestly Sunday afternoon when I go uh, home, it's kind of like we're all sitting, having dinner. And I'm not saying much. And, um, <laughs> and it takes me about, about an hour or something just to um, have energy for people. Again, all of that is consumable. And, and like I say, if you, you don't honor those limits, um, then I mean, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt other people. You're going to make mm-hmm. bad decisions and you may work longer hours, but they're bad hours. They're, they're inefficient. They're, they're foolish. You know, um, it was amazing. Even rolling back in this, this week, uh, this last week, um, kind of had a soft coming in last week and then coming in this week, um, just how quickly I'm just seeing things and how quickly, you know, I want to do that. I'm interested in that. I'm curious again, and I'm, I'm not annoyed with, um, something that comes up and I'm looking at it as a problem saying, well, there's an opportunity or this is interesting. And mm-hmm. I'm finding myself wanting to have conversations with people. I'm not just asking people how you're doing because I'm supposed to ask people how you're doing. I'm actually curious how people are doing. And so that's all refreshing coming off of rest. Um, one, one of the things that in this teaching, cause I've taught this kind of stuff before and I actually from this passage before, by the way, all of this, this concept of Sabbath coming out of the children of Israel if you're really interested in it, it there's a wonderful book by an Old Testament theologian called Walter Burgmann, called Sabbath as Resistance. Now Walter Burgmann's a pretty liberal, just to say it, theologian, but his boy, he, some of his stuff is just brilliant. And and his particularly when he writes about Sabbath as resistance, um, he he's talking about you had this oppressive power of Egypt controlling and hurting people, and the rebellion was rest. The rebellion was saying we're not going to just live in your machine anymore. And that, that he, he just writes it so brilliantly. Well, anyway, that mm-hmm. thinking deeply about, um, this is a paradigm for our modern world. You know, it got me thinking, and I talked about this last Sunday, um, will continue is okay. We're not slaves. We're not technically owned by anybody. Well, so why do we keep living like slaves? Well, it's because we still have Pharaohs in our head. So if, if you look at Pharaoh's response, when the people, when the request came for the people to rest, to be refreshed, to renew relationships, to delight, to go have a festival, his response was anger. His response was anger. This world will get angry at you. If you say, I'm not going to live up to your demands and your pressures and all those kinds of things like that. And then he, he turned it back on them and he said, you're lazy. You're lazy. You, 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 people apparently have way too much time on your hands. So you know what? We used to deliver straw for you. Now you need to make bricks without straw. You need to do more. You need to produce more. Who, who are you most to take these people away from your work? Because if you take them away from their work, you're taking their value away. Mm -hmm. And so now you need to make bricks without straw and you may not lower your quota of bricks one iota. You must do more. You must work harder. And, um, that's the cruelty of slavery. That's the cruelty of a taskmaster. And then he came back Egypt. He, he called them liars. You say you're not doing well, you say that, and he called them liars. So you see this horrible oppression of Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh in Egypt, um, uh, theology was a God. He was the ultimate God, actually, mm-hmm. son of Ra, all that kind of stuff. And if we don't have time to look at it, but, um, if you look at the 10 plagues of Egypt, each one of them are directed at one of the gods, gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so this is really, um, a story of contrast between gods. And so, so for this God who they had never heard of to come and say, you know, I mean, either coming in wrath or I'm coming, demanding sacrifice i kind of demanding, come out and rest. It was this huge contrast that, that, um, you know, was intimidating, was, um, threatening to Pharaoh, you add to that, this whole thing of, we live in a world where, where, um, you know, if we go to our boss and we start trying to establish boundaries at work, by the way, if this is an issue, you're in a work environment, we say they just don't allow this wonderful book called boundaries at work. will give you all kinds of strategies to resist in a healthy, mature way where you're recognizing, you know, I, I go and I give people something really valuable. I give them my time expertise. I do work for them and they pay me for that and that's good, reasonable, it's a healthy thing, but they don't own me. And they shouldn't do things to express that they do own me, and they shouldn't demand that i come in earlier i you know i do more um they can't ask me to make bricks for those straw
0: well i'm glad you brought this up Paul. Yeah, because well, yeah. this is a
1: perfect opportunity <laughs> for you and i just to have a nice I, I, public conversation I, you are clearly <laughs> underappreciated underpaid and overworked Shua. yeah yeah
0: so i just i thought this was the right place time <laughs> uh, not awkward to... at all that's right
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is me sipping my coffee no,
0: that, that is, all this is, is so good. I'm actually spending time listening to the Bible Project podcast yes. right now, and they're, they've they been going through the Torah, yes. and so um, right now they're in numbers, and mm-hmm. so all of this, there's just like little, little pieces of the stories that are clicking as you're talking, and one of the points that he makes about the wilderness wanderings, that I mm-hmm. thought was just so cool, is Yeah, you're right. You have this people who had just been indoctrinated in slavery. This is who you are and this is your value and this is your worth. And, um, and their whole paradigm for existing was in their work and in this Egyptian culture and concept of, of God's and, and part of the answer to why did they have to wander so long is God was rebuilding a people. (laughs) He was teaching them how to not be slaves.
1: They have to wander so long for the same reason we have to wander so long. Hmm. that we keep telling ourselves a narrative of slavery. Um, I mean, within a very short time, he led them right to the promised land. He said, you could go in there. You could conquer that. You could face that, you know, not because of who you are, but because of who I am in you. And they said, there are giants in the land. Yeah, they weren't I'm, ready. I'm not willing to face my giants. So, So it begs the question, you know, obviously we can see, you know, this whole story of, who are the Pharaohs in your life? Well, I got a mean boss or I got a parent who drives me or a teacher or something like that. But truth be told, because of the wonderful age of Liberty and freedom and egalitarianism that we live in really, um, the Pharaohs in our heads, the Pharaohs are in our heads. Um, now, now again, some, sometimes we're in situations where life is just busy and you just got to do stuff. Um, but even then, it's amazing how often we fill our lives with things that are not critical and that we just keep pushing ourselves. So it's the person who, who, um, from childhood, they got a message communicated to them somehow or another that, um, um, your value is in what you do. Yep. And what you produce, <laughs> it, you, this is a produce perform culture. And, and it can be things that seem like really good things that actually get twisted. It's the, the little kid who learned I just love when they say good boy. Yeah. Good job. Um, and it seems like my parents only said, I love you, you know, um, when I was when I was producing and performing. And those times I didn't, I got a shame narrative that, well, good boys would have done this or you should have done that. And or I had a parent who was messed up in their own head on this and so they created this perfectionist narrative. That if you're not doing something, you know, um, one of the things we used to say to our kids that we learned to quit saying to our kids is see a problem, solve a problem, you know, be helpful, get in there. And, um, there's some truth, I guess, in that, but at the end of the day, see a problem might not be your problem. (laughs) might be someone else's problem. And so, um, you know, um, finding ways to communicate to kids, obviously their value just because you love them and those kinds of things. Anyway, that that whole narrative can become a thing. Um, we live in a world where it just feels really good to be recognized. Um, when that becomes your identity, it, we we see this. It's it's interesting in kids who go into crisis. Some kids go into crisis early. I'm actually starting to believe, and I probably do believe, that it's better for them to go into real crisis early just to get it out of their system mm. and get through it and realize they're loved. And particularly if they're still at home, it's easier for your kids to get in trouble while they still live with you than when they don't live with you. The ones that really get thorny are the kids who are just great kids all the way through. They actually ended up doing great, maybe got into college, do all the things, but maybe halfway through college or maybe after that they just go off the rails mm-hmm. because they're just, they're they're in this thing of they have, been, they have had a pharaoh in their head saying, do more, try harder, you know, you're not good enough. You know, it, you say, I, I wonder if this is me. Well, here's a couple tests. Do you take delight in your work or do you just power through and the minute you're done with one thing, you find yourself being driven to do something else? Or is there actual delight in what you do? Um, the people who are around what you do, do you have healthy relationships with them? Do you enjoy them succeeding and them going forward and them, you know, being blessed? Or is it the kind of thing that one one of the indications that you're just really being driven by the do is that in your heart of hearts, everybody is, is a threat. Everything is a competition. Um, you know, it's not in competition makes life sweet and it's important for things like capitalism and things like that. But when, when winning becomes the thing, then work becomes a terrible thing and winning becomes ultimately unfulfilling. You know, when you, when you, when you are incapable of resting that, you know, you go on vacation and you fill your vacation with so much activity that you just, you don't rest or you fill it. I know so many people who I, I was talking to a teacher this last weekend, um, who said, you know, I just fill my summer with projects and we remodel and we, do this and I do this for people and do this for people. And then I, I'm going back to school. And I'm just, just like tapped, tapped, mm-hmm. exhausted. And well, why do you do that? Well, you know, I just want to help. I don't I just want to do, you know, i was just talking to someone recently was um, they were getting ready for their wedding, you know, Abby's wedding and the different things. And you do things for weddings. You make them special and those kinds of things. But they had this long list of things they were doing. And I finally asked them, so why are you doing that with the table settings? Why are you doing that with the table settings? who's expecting that? And they finally said, well, I guess if I didn't do that, no one would know but me. I said, hmm, because they were talking about how stressed out they were I said, well what if you what if you chose five things that you thought you were going to do that you reckon is really weren't necessary and ask yourself why are you doing that and what are you trying to produce And you know because the wedding is a day but the marriage is for a mm-hmm. lifetime And just so we, we fill our lives with some of us are incapable or even terrified of Sabbath. Because if I quit working, I start tapping into my core fears. One of my core fears is I'm not enough that if if I'm not doing, it'll be it'll show that I'm not enough, people won't have reason to love me. Um, I, I I've got to do to be enough. You know, other people have real deep pain they're running from, and so they just, they, they don't want to think deeply. They don't want to feel deeply. So they just go, 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 Because when they get quiet, when they slow down, they, they feel things that, Oh my goodness. And that these are cruel Pharaohs that are driving you, you know, um, that, that, um, you know, if you don't keep working, you'll lose control or you'll feel things you don't want to other people. Again, it's a control thing. Other people's just good old fashioned pride and selfishness. It's just, you know, that, um, I want to win. I want to be on top. I want to beat people. I really get a thrill from being alpha, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Sabbath is the place where we say, okay, okay. Um, that, that's why why Sabbath doesn't begin with practice. It begins with perspective. What does it mean to rest in God? What does it mean to say, okay, God, um, my work doesn't matter. Your work matters. And 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 my value isn't in what I do. What I do is a response to who I am. That because I'm loved, I'm accepted, I want my work to be meaningful, I want it to be effective, um, it'll make life rich and sweet and fun and good, but it's not who I am. Um it it it, it you know, one of the things that um I shared this week and I'll share again this next week, um is Sabbath is a reaffirmation of the gospel. It's coming back and it's saying the heart of the gospel is my work is inadequate to bring me salvation. Mm-hmm. I must rely on God's work. And so when we start with a perspective is I'm going to begin in the rest of God, I'm going to begin with it. I'm not going to earn the rest of God. A lot of people say you work really hard and you earn a vacation. You earn the time off. God's perspective is the opposite. It says you haven't earned anything. I give you this rest from that rest. Then, you know, good things are going to come. You know, um, it's, it's, you know, it's by grace, we are saved through faith and not by works, um, is the gift of God. So you can't boast for you were created from, for good works that come out of that. And so Sabbath is a reaffirmation of the gospel. It's a, it's a embodying of the gospel. It's a living in the gospel. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a conscious reminding of myself that I am not accepted by God because of what I do. I'm not valuable to God because of what I do. I am, I am completely loved and accepted. Um, because he created me and he said, I'm good. He has put value in me inherently created in the image of God. And out of that, I'm going to do my work. It's a radical upside down. And when we live the other way, um, eventually we, we get miserable. Eventually we get, um, burnt out. We start hurting ourselves. We start isolating. Um, um, so, so the, the challenge is for us to um, take the time to um, figure out who our pharaohs are. The irony of that is that happens in Sabbath. That happens when hmm. we, we learn, and this is not an easy skill, um, learn to, okay, I'm going to, my, my Sabbath, my, my focus Sabbath time is Friday mornings, where I sit down with a journal, with my Bible, and sometimes I just waste the whole thing, and I, my brain just floats. Sometimes I read, and God really speaks to me. Sometimes I journal. But for me, I really try to pay attention to what's going on inside of me, okay? I reflect on how did I live this week? How did I do re- relationships? I've been angry all week. Why have I been angry all week? And then I, it's like feeling for a broken bone. Well, I got angry when this happened why did that make me angry? Well, cause that made me feel threatened or that made me feel inadequate or that made me feel, um, shame. And what, what that allows me to do is to deconstruct it and come back and then bring it to Christ and say, what's the truth about this kind of thing. Or I could say, you know, I felt, um, just like I haven't wanted to be around any, anyone. One of the things we're going to talk about this year in, when we study, we're going to study the Book of Colossians is why we isolate, why we, why we want to, you know, um, you know, just push everybody away when we feel like we're failures or we feel like we're, um, we've been hurt. The temptation is to isolate and, and why am I wanting to do that? So, so Sabbath is the place you do that. And, and you learn how to be with God, listen to God, listen to what's going on in your inner life. When, but you have to take the time to do it. You have to schedule the time to do it. You have to risk the risk of being bored. Or, I mean, it's amazing how many times when I sit down, you know, where I've been doing my Sabbath is in my porch, my wonderful screen porch, and and you sit down in an old house that you bought um, that hadn't been taken care of before you got it, and it's immediately how it, amazing how immediately every little project screams at you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you got to change that one. You got to fix that. You, know, you got to remember to put caulk there. You got to, and that all starts screaming at you. So this place of rest could become an oppressive place. You just got to get past that kind of stuff. Now, if you're listening to this and saying, man, I can't even imagine how I'm going to get to a place like that. Your first step may actually be to make space in your life to do emotionally healthy discipleship this fall. Um, this is just such a powerful, um, just study um, because the kinds of things that will happen, one is you'll be going and you'll be learning with a, a community, which will be just wonderful. Um, some of you are terrified of that. Just do it. it. It's you just you need it. The other thing is that you'll um, will it sets up its own spiritual practice so that you have a start establishing a routine. Because I've been talking primarily about a weekly Sabbath, and obviously I've had a season of Sabbath but I have daily Sabbath every day too. There's spiritual practices I do that recenter myself. Um, we can talk about those another time. Um, but then the, the things you're going to be talking about in emotional discipleship have to do with paying attention to inner life. So you'll do things like ask questions like, okay, um, how have you dealt with pain and loss? You'll ask questions, okay, what patterns of behavior have you picked up from family? What messages are you hearing from? you know, um, you know, family of origin. Um, you're going to be, you know, asking questions about, um, do you understand deeply being and doing, um, are you a person who's never been able to just be, you're all about doing, doing, doing. And so it's a lot of that kind of hard work within a safe community where you start seeing that stuff. It's beginning steps to begin to establish a resistance, a rebellion where you say, I am suffering under the cruel taskmasters in my own heart and head. Mm -hmm. And I want to change that pattern. Um, I want to be rebellious. I want to be very different. I don't want to be the person who, whenever someone asks me how I'm doing, I just say busy, busy where I don't reflect at where I've been, where I'm going. I'm not where I'm at. I mean, I, I live neither in the past, present or future. I'm just kind of drifting and, my mind reaches that fuzzy place of, I just got to do the next thing. So, um, this is deep wisdom of God. I think this is, you know, it's funny how Sabbath has just been set aside by the modern evangelical church, because it's probably a reaction to the mistake the church did before this, where they made Sabbath just a drudgery. I mean, Sabbath was, if you're doing anything fun or life-giving on the Sabbath, you're you're probably sinning. So what mm-hmm. Sabbath is is stay in an uncomfortable clothes all day long, go to church in the morning, sit around in the afternoon. You know, you can't shop, you can't do anything. I mean, our whole culture, everything used to close on, on Sundays for these reasons. Um, and, and kids hated Sabbath. Sabbath is an invitation to delight. It's an invitation to feast. It's an invitation to be with family. It's an invitation to do fun things. And so understanding that, Um, Deeply. The other thing you may want to do is truly grab the devotions because it, um, the devotions are based out of a a study in right now media based on a book called ruthlessly eliminate hurry. John Mark Comer, just wonderful book about the theology of Sabbath and some very good practical stuff about how to implement Sabbath into your life and into your heart. So, um, yeah, so there's some steps going, but you know, if you're listening to this podcast, driving down the road, this is worth fighting for. Mm -hmm. This is worth fighting for the, getting the rebellion, Because the the other option is for you to just keep going for you for keep going the way you're going for the rest of the week and then the rest of the month and then for another year and then another year. And then at the end of the day, end of your life, you look back either at the end of your life or when you have your next breakdown where you look back and you realize, man, I just, I don't feel anything. I'm numb. I don't really know anybody. I have no relationships. I mean, and I haven't seen the meaning in my life. I've, I've missed most of life as I've rushed through it. Sabbath redeems us from that. It saves us from that. So uh, last verse I read um, in um, Sunday as we went into communion was from the book of Isaiah. And again, th- this again was something that in my recent study really struck me is that part of the pattern of people of God rebelling against God, we always say, well, they just turn to idols. Before they turned to idols, they turned away from God, and specifically they turned away from the Sabbath. So it's amazing how many times, particularly the minor prophets, said, you forsook Sabbath. And so people read, oh, they should have taken, you know, God's in trouble because he didn't want to do any work, and they should have just, you know, closed closed everything on Sunday. No, 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 he's basically saying, you've lost your perspective of resting in me. You haven't taken time to renew your relationship with me. And so you turn to some kind of idol, which is exactly what we do. And that's then when everything fell apart. And so it's amazing how often the call to come back to God was a call to, to reestablish Sabbath, to take time to be with God, to delight in God, to enjoy God. And, and, and so the verse in Isaiah 30, verse 15, such a powerful verse, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. And so sovereign means God Almighty, the one whose work really matters. Holy One is the special one. Sabbath makes God special. It makes God special in your life. He says, in repentance, okay, and rest is your salvation. That's a perspective. So if you're in the middle of it, you, so, so what's going to save me from meaninglessness, this anxiety, this, this treadmill? Well, it's repentance, changing of mind, and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, that there's a strength, there's a wisdom, there's a power here, but you would have none of it but you would have none of it. And I mean, you want to talk about a verse that analyzes our problem, my problem. I mean, Holy cow. It's this, it's that, that, you know, this opportunity, um, for repentance and rest for quietness and, and trust, um, being the source of our strength, but man, it's amazing how often I will just keep going. I will just keep working, fill my life with a more thing. Um, turn on Netflix. I will say too this, this, we haven't even touched on this, but one expression of this is the, is the entertainment culture in terms of, um, the person who just wants to run from one, one kind of doing play after another. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. A big part of Sabbath can be things like taking a run, going boating, going fishing, things like that can be very active and, and restful, but there's some people who are just addicted to the next doing of the next thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. At some point, Sabbath has got to have an aspect of quietness of trust, of recentering God at the center of it, doing things that are truly refreshing to our soul. So there's, this is a call to a rebellion. This is a call to uh, fight for your soul. If you're a parent, um, your kids will learn Sabbath by living Sabbath. Mm. And so getting it established as part of your family. Um, I know several families right now who are actually kind of declaring, you know, uh, Friday night uh, sundown through Saturday sundown. That's our Sabbath. And they're figuring, oh, what practices are life-giving for their their family? And for some of them, it's meaning things like, well, we're not going to do the traveling team this year because they have games every Saturday. We're just not going to do that anymore. So you're going to have to do some radical things to make this work, but it's worth the rebellion. So yeah, so just do that. That's good. Yeah. Um, And I, again, I've been doing this for about these kinds of things, about eight years ago, eight years. And it's made all the difference in the world, all the difference in the world. Um, And I still struggle with it. Like a week, like this week, it will be, um, I'll still have my Friday morning time, but I've got to drive to a wedding on Friday night, my niece's wedding. And so that stuff happens too. But when, when you have an establishment of Sabbath, an interruption like that is okay. It, it goes back to, you know, the, if you get legalistic and harsh about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath, then it becomes an oppressive thing. We're going to talk about this this weekend, about how the Pharisees and Jesus had conflict about it. But Jesus said it this way. He said, you, you hypocrites. He said, if, if, because he was getting in trouble for healing a man on the Sabbath, um, um, he said, you hypocrites, if one of you had a donkey fall in the well, you'd save the donkey. It says, here's a child of Abraham, much more valuable than a donkey. So basically every now and again, a donkey falls in the well and you just got to say, I can't do my Sabbath today. I can't, you know, I've got to, I've got to deal with this thing in real time. Um, it's just that when, you know, <laughs> we're in the donkey saving business and every day, is there something yeah, like that That's yeah. when it gets bad? So, so don't be legalistic.
0: All right, cool. I think this was a good starter. I think we got really were able to talk through one very important aspect of Sabbath. I'm yes. looking forward to these next weeks because it starts to kind of unravel. The uh, there's a lot here, a lot to
1: there is, lot to muse over. Yeah, and and it, this week it really begins with an awareness and then a perspective that, boy, I don't live like I rest in God. I don't live like, and why do why do I keep pushing myself? Uh, the, what, what's the pharaoh in my head, and where did that come from? And I just need to rebel against that. So, yeah, cool, awesome. All right, we'll rebel, people. All right, Viva la resistance!